What's up, everyone? This is Mike Kaju, and you're listening to the Brute Strength Podcast. This week, I'm on the show with one of the best strength and conditioning coaches in the country, Kurt Hester. Kurt is an absolute maniac in the best way. He's one of the most passionate coaches in the game. Uh, he brings a, a, an energy that's really unparalleled uh, in the collegiate scene, and he's a phenomenal speed expert. Um, we talk about leadership, culture, investing in uh, athletes in terms of um, their long-term success rather than just on the field. Whether you're a coach just wanting to get better technically or someone that wants to learn how to build a strong culture at your, you know, within your organization, this guy is one of the best I've ever talked to, and you're, you're going to gain so much wisdom from this show. Before we get started, if you haven't done so already and you're a regular listener of this show, please head to iTunes real quick. Leave me a quick review. That would help out a lot. Y'all enjoy the show. If you have a question that you want answered related to health and fitness, mindset, business, etc., please don't hesitate to call in. Um, I absolutely love being able to connect with you guys and answer your questions or having friends of mine that are experts help me answer your questions. So if you're interested, call into the hotline at 801-449-0503. That's 801-449-0503. Zero five zero three. Our Brute Body program is about to reopen for registration on March 20th, and the actual program will begin one week after the open ends. Um, this is perfect timing because this program is the fastest way to build muscle, get leaner, and generally just hit huge PRs in all of your strength lifts. With this launch, it's our one-year anniversary, and we're releasing a ton of new content on goal setting, a ton, a ton of uh, education on nutrition, training, and mindset, and we're even bringing in a transformation challenge with the top prize being a cruise for two. If you have any questions at all about the program, email us at info at brutestrengthtraining.com or you can go to brutestrengthtraining.com slash programs slash brute hyphen body to sign up for the wait list. That's brutestrengthtraining.com slash programs slash brute hyphen body. What's up, everyone? This is Mike Cashew. You're listening to the Brute Strength Podcast. I'm talking with the head of strength and conditioning at La Tech, Louisiana Tech, one of the top strength and conditioning coaches in the nation of the last couple decades, Kurt Hester. Kurt, as I was telling you a second ago, I know from firsthand experience how demanding the, the job of a uh, strength and conditioning coach is at the collegiate level, and I know how much you value your time. So I really appreciate you making some time to do this, uh, this interview with me, man. No problem, brother. I'm glad, glad y'all called me up to be here, man. Hell yeah, man. So let's, uh, let's start out. I know you've been all over the place and worked with, you know, so many different types of people. Can you give a brief, uh, maybe coaching history for people just to let them know where you've been? Uh, I kind of started out, you know, at Tulane, uh, where I got my undergrad in physiology there, uh, training athletes with Tom Shaw, who's a pretty well-known uh, performance coach in, in Florida now. And uh, he was with the Saints. He was with the Patriots as, a, as their speed coach. Uh, you know, then I went to LSU in the 90s and uh, was, uh, you know, they hired me as like the speed guy and, and for football. And then I trained uh, a couple of national championship teams with Coach Burtman there. Uh, then went and opened my own facility on the North Shore in New Orleans. 
where I trained, um, you know, probably I think over 12,000 athletes there in that one facility from junior high all the way through the pros. And then after Katrina, um, went in with partners with some of the guys that had trained for the draft from the University of Tennessee and opened up, uh, helped them open up D1 sports training and stayed there in Nashville was our corporate office. And, you know, I was uh, the director of sports performance plus trained all our pro athletes. And then I was in Denver opening up a facility there and working with, with some of the Broncos and uh, Coach Bertman. I mean, um, Coach Holtz called me up and asked me if I, were, I was interested in coming back to the college level after about 20 years of being gone. And I really was. Uh, my, my kids were older, and it was, it was time for me to come back to this level. Settled down. And are you from, uh, are you from Louisiana originally? I'm from uh, below Homa, a little town called Chauvin, yeah. Louisiana. Awesome, man. What, so th- th- this interview is actually really special to me. And I purposely didn't tell you this weeks ago when we planned this. But when I was, before I even started my first job in strength and conditioning and uh, at Southern Utah University, I sent out an email to about 50 different strength coaches. And it was something, you know, I gave, I, it was a short email and I, you know, I, I said what my qualifications were and I was basically just asking for advice. Like what, what, uh, you know, what kind of resources should I look into? Should I get a master's degree? A couple different questions. And I probably got two responses total. One was from uh, the head guy at App State. I forget, I forget his name. I'm not sure. I don't think he's there anymore. And the other one was you. And, you know, I, I knew Matt Bruce at the time and he might've even been one that, uh, I, I don't know how it happened. I think you responded and I told him about it and he told me, you know, all of your, all of your qualifications and who you had worked with. And I was so blown away that someone at your level took the time to respond to an email when I know how many emails you guys are getting about, you know, interns and, and different people trying to do, uh, you know, send product and all this kind of shit. So why did you, why did you take the time to, I'm sure you don't remember that, but why would you take the time to respond to someone like me? And is that something that you still do today? Oh, I mean, I, I was on the phone with a young coach from Midland, uh, Midland State, uh, Midland University, it's a little, little NAIA school in, in um, Nebraska yesterday. He emailed me and, and I said, look, man, I mean, I, I get off around seven or eight o'clock at night. I don't sleep a whole wow. So just call me late at night, man. I'll sit, and I, I talked to him for about an hour. Uh, wrestling, co- wrestling street coach from Penn State's a young guy. Um, you know, he called me, he emailed me and I called him right back. I mean, I, I was like, I mean, I was wild, man. I, coming out, you know, <laughs> I was probably one of the wildest guys that was, you know, under Coach Hatch. You know, I, he let me get away with more stuff than anybody. I had really long, I had like really long hair, and I'd wear my hat backwards, and and all. And Matt, Matt was young, man. You know, mm-hmm. Matt, Matt was probably thirteen or fourteen at the time, and they would look at me, but why does Kurt get away with you know having really long hair, and and you know he's got a hat on backwards, and Coach Hatch never tells him anything, and. <laughs> guys like Coach Ash and Tom Shaw were like, you know, this dude's kind of wild. He's kind of crazy. But they kind of saw something in me as, as a coach. And I owe my, my whole career to those guys. So anytime a coach calls me, I'm, you know, I'm the first one to, you know, to call them back and, and talk mm-hmm. to them. And, and most times, it's kind of like you did. They ask for, you know, how do you, you know, how did you get to where you are in the field? And, and realistically, 
I was in the right place at the right time my entire career, you know, and, and, and it just, it just, you know, I was just blessed to be standing next to some really great coaches all the time. I mean, from the time I started training at 12 to now I'm 53 years old and it's still happening to me. Right. Well, and, and I think any successful person that that's a huge portion of their success, but uh, there's absolutely something to be said about your persistence, right? Like you've just, you've just shown up day in and day out for years and years and years. And that's why today they call you one of the best in the country. Well, I mean, it wouldn't have happened in, in five years, you know, oh, the first no. job you got, that wouldn't have happened. No. And even, even when I was at Tulane as a, as a, as a GA, um, I would, I would get up in the morning. I was living on the North shore and I would drive to Tulane, go to class, work with the Tulane athletes all day, then drive from New Orleans to Baton Rouge, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, work with coach Hatch and get to, I get to Baton Rouge probably seven, eight o'clock at night and work with coach Hatch, coach Hatch would stay with me till almost 10. Then I'd wow. drive from Baton Rouge back to the North shore. And I did that forever, you know, because I knew, um, you know, I did that. I, I drove to Florida with Dan path, you know, one of the best track coaches in, 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 in the world. You know, he's, you know, he's our national sprints coach. He's with Altus now in, 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 um, in Arizona and you know slept in my truck and you know worked with him tried to learn as much as i could from him uh and and then he finally goes you know where you're staying i said i'm living in my truck man and he let me sleep in the in the, in the track uh office and wow I stayed, stayed a few weeks with him um and i just did that my entire career instead of you know now i mean that's before the computer age so mm -hmm. you know you can go on skype people and talk to them pull up stuff on the internet and i just drove i mean i drove to california you know uh, Canada, it didn't matter. I was saving my money and I was going to learn from the best in the country. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it's, it's more likely too that you can get face to face with someone if you drive out to them, than ask them to spend an hour on, on Skype with them. You know, I, I, I've never been turned down. I would, I would call, I, I wouldn't even know these guys. I mean, Dan, I didn't even, he was at LSU before I was at LSU and he had moved on to Texas and, and then Florida and he's like, yeah, man, should come on up. Stay as long as you want. If I, if I want to stay for six months, he'll let me stay for six months. Man, that's such a great lesson. I, that, because there's no better way to learn than to immerse yourself with one of these experts, right? There, there's no like, you could read 10 books and not have the same experience you probably had in a week spending time with those kinds of guys. I mean, you know, especially when you're, when you're you know, mechanics, you're looking at sprint mechanics, and, you know, most coaches can, can fix gross technical errors with like a football player or a basketball player or a baseball player. But when I think we had like 36 medalists um, coming off, um, I think it was either the Greek or Beijing games at the time, 36 medalists on the track. And you're watching a 200 meter sprinter, uh, you know, running, uh, you know, at 90 percent. And it, to me, it was like the most fluid, beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And he's sitting there picking them apart, stride mm -hmm. for stride. And I was like, oh, you know, Dan, I, you know, he goes, look, Kirk, just put your head behind my shoulder and watch, watch what I'm watching and then listen to what I'm saying. And after about 10 days, I could start picking up some really fine mm -hmm. and, and fine tuned uh, sprint mechanics. But I mean, these guys are at a whole different level. So I, I, I didn't want to get into speed quite yet, but since we're already talking about it, um, most, of, most of my audience is probably, doesn't know a whole lot about speed development. So can you give people like a very high level 
idea of like the, maybe the key characteristics that people need to know when trying to get faster or coaching people to get faster? And then we can kind of, you know, go down a rabbit hole. If yeah, I mean, it's, it's relative. I mean, it's, it, it's simple and it's not simple. I mean, American athletes, especially are so, especially with football, when you're dealing with football players um, and, you know, especially high school guys who come out like big programs, like in Louisiana would be, you know, West Monroe, John Curtis, um, you know, and these big Texas schools and all. And everything they do typically is, is conditioning. Um, it's just that, you know, and football players mentality is if I'm not, Throwing, if I'm not on the ground, completely exhausted at the end of the workout, I didn't do anything today. I didn't get better. And it's completely opposite with speed work. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, less is more. And, you know, if you know, Charlie Francis, if you're, if, if you come out and you PR in a hundred meters, rep one, you're done for the day. Wow. I mean, because, because your central, mer- uh, central nervous system is locking that in and he goes, okay, we're done. So um, in our speed work, you know, it's basically, you have 72 hours between, between sessions. It's a hundred percent effort with a hundred percent rest intervals. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's very slow and, and, and athletes, they don't get it. They're like, well, you know, I'm not tired. And the whole, the whole thing, but, you know, when you're finished with a speed uh, training session is you don't want to be tired. You don't want to be in, in a fatigue state at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we probably spend more of our time getting warmed up and then potentiating, um, you know, getting, getting our, 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 getting our muscles to move faster before we even start the, the, the speed workout. And then it's just really quality reps with, with hundred percent, uh, effort with hundred percent rest. So basically about every 10 yards you run, it's a, it's a one minute rest. And, uh, so there's a lot of time where you're doing some active, uh, some, some active dynamic work in between reps. If, if you're going like, a, you know, if it's a four minute break, if you're running forties, Mm-hmm. And, you know, just so you stay a little bit loose, but then you're not taxing the central nervous system either. So right. in, a, in a typical session, you, you know, you might run four to six reps and then you're done. Right. And you've gotten faster. And typically um, athletes and coaches, they'll look at it and go, oh, that, that's not enough. And it's, it's beyond enough. And, you know, that's one thing we at our level, we have to make our athletes faster because we're. We're, we're a non-power five school playing, you know, we, have, we play two SEC games this year and, um, you know, we're not getting these five-star genetic beasts that right. the SEC get. So we, we have to, you know, we have to train at, at a different level for us and, um, and we compete. I mean, we've, we took Arkansas 21-20 first game of the season and we, and we missed two field goals and we, 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 we ran circles around the whole game. Yep. Um, so uh, you, you mentioned uh, potentiation. Are you talking about doing p- uh, post-activation potentiation in your speed workouts or, or something else? Yeah, just some pre, some, some really quick, uh, short, short duration plyos to just, okay. just to fire it up, you know, just to fire it up before we, before we start so that we're moving fast rep one. Got it. What are the, what are the best resources online and books, uh, maybe clinics or seminars that people can look into that want to learn more about speed development? I mean, one of the best books I read it last week was, uh, James Smith at supplied sprinting. And it's pretty new. It's, uh, it just came out this year. Um, it's, it's on Amazon. It is by far one of the best you know, uh, sprint books that I've, I've ever, I've ever read. And mm-hmm. there's Franz Bosch's new book, uh, is, is, is pretty good, but, um, Jay Smith does a really good job of breaking down 
sprint training and sprint mechanics. And, and he does it with, because he's trained a lot of um, Australian rules football players and some, uh-huh. and some CFL guys and a few NFL guys. So it's not just from a track perspective. It's from a team sports perspective too. So it's really, really good. Oh, excellent. Yeah, it's much different training a, a group of six track athletes than 60 football players in one session, right? And, and that's, that's why I like, I love his perspective. Because it's not, I've read a lot, you know, of you know, like Charlie Francis and stuff, and and it, but it's it's all directed towards track, track and field athletes. Yep, yep. When it's 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 across a spectrum, so it's really, really, really good book. That's cool. Are there any other big mistakes that, like, common mistakes you see people making other than the, you know, they're trying to they turn it into a conditioning session? Uh, I think effort. I think you know it's. With with it's not even really the the mistake of the coach; it's the mistake of the athlete. Mm-hmm. They're so used to conditioning and kind of, and saving themselves, you know, like saving the rep because I don't know how many reps I'm going to do, and you know, it's it's basically going in with intent, and the athlete has to understand there's intent in every every plyometric drill and every sprint drill and every mechanic drill that you do, and it's it's basically communicating, just commute. It's it's under communicating to the athlete, right? What we're trying to accomplish that day. And we, we start off every session, we break it down and we go through every, every rep with our athletes. So they understand the intent of the workout. And so we have, you know, we, we have pretty good buy-in and they understand the importance and they understand, they understand the fact that if they don't go hundred percent, they're not getting any better that day. I love that. Uh, Matt Bruce told me to ask you about, I think when you were running your, your, uh, your private facility in New Orleans. Um, y'all did a, y'all, y'all would take yearly pictures. He told me to ask you about the yearly pictures. Uh, I mean, we, we call it thugs of steel. Uh, uh-huh. And it's, you know, kind of got it when I used to, when I was consulting schools, uh, I'd go up to university of Tennessee every year and, 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 you know, Phil former, Phil former was a coach and he'd hire me to go up there and, and consult their strength staff. And they did uh, Boys of Summer. It was like a big, huge poster that the, the, the athletes that trained the hardest throughout the summer, they got to be on this huge calendar. It, was, it ended up being a calendar for the school, but they had a huge poster in the weight room. So we started doing it, and uh, we call it Thugs of Steel because our, our weight room was just 21 platforms. It was pretty archaic, and uh, we, called it the ghetto. we called our weight room the ghetto. And so uh, we, called, we called the picture the Thugs of Steel. So the, athlete, the best athletes – um, that trained the hardest throughout the summer. They were the only ones that, that got on, on, the, on the picture. And, and we, you know, I mean, South Louisiana, we'd, we'd, go, we'd go out in the swamp and take these crazy pictures of guys painted up with ARs and M16s. And, uh, I mean, you know, you got, a lot, you got a lot of guys like to hunt and, uh, yeah. and they're like little mini um, anarchists with, with, with their weapons. So mm-hmm. some pretty cool pictures. And we've done, we did some stuff with the, uh, with, um, sheriff's department where, um, they had, we had dogs and they, they brought us into the jail, you know, into, a, into the jail <laughs> and, and we did all these pictures and, 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 you know, prison pictures and, you know, and nice. they, you know, they, they, you know, we, we did some stuff with the DAA with, with pictures yeah. and it was, it was pretty great. It was, you know, it, it just motivated them to train harder to, to make, right. to make that picture to get that uh designation right it's like right. the hatch the hatch leaderboard like the hatch leaderboard and getting a hatch t-shirt yep shit man there are a lot of hatch hatch t-shirts out there but only a handful of leader shirts oh yeah definitely <laughs> um so you've coached at the highest level 
as a strength coach and you've, you've prepared hundreds of NFL players, coached hundreds of professional athletes. What, what do you think it is that separates you as a coach and makes you one of a kind? I mean, I, I, mean, I, I think most coaches feel like the athletes uh, are, are there because of them. And I'm the opposite. I'm, I'm here because of the athlete. And I, you know, for like at this level, it means more to me that they graduate and mm-hmm. they're successful in life than anything else. Because the worst thing, I think for me, the worst thing to see is a, as an athlete 10 years down the road and he's not successful. He's not successful and he's not doing good in life. Right. That, I think that hurts me more than anything. So uh, I think because I care about I care about my athletes at, at from a human level and not just what can they do for me athletically. Um, I think I've done enough with you know Heisman Trophy winners and Hall of Famers and Super Bowl MVPs training training these guys. That I mean, when I was younger, that seemed like that was like really cool and the, you know that's what I was aspiring to, to be. But then the older I got, I mean, it was, it was a struggle for me to get through Tulane. And I understand that the struggles to to get your degree, you know playing playing the game and and with all the hours all the work you have to put in um so it, it really has nothing to do with with training uh or or my knowledge it has more of the fact that i put a lot into these athletes as as a person right are there any so you talked about younger you know being more concerned with you know the caliber of athlete you were training and kind of the maybe some of the glory that goes along with that what 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 was it if you can pinpoint it that that uh kind of created that shift where now you're you're focused more on their long-term success if you yeah again if you can pinpoint it no i, I could because it's like you know every year i would get these athletes from all over the country from different power i mean usc and nebraska and and illinois and miami and just, you know, I get 30, 35 guys uh, a year and probably 95% of them, I, you know, I would always ask them about who recruited you and why did you pick that school? And then what is your long-term, what's your, your plan B? What's your long-term plan in life? Because football, if you're lucky, it's three years. Um, if you're a DB or a corner, if you're a DB or a receiver, it's probably one year. You have a one-year career and only, man, very few that have a six to 10-year career. And 95 percent of them said there is no plan it's football or nothing and i thought i thought that was insane uh that there they had no concept of the afterlife of football and that's uh you know and i think that's kind of was that turning point where it's okay i i make a better person i help i help them understand that you start the day you start in college you're you're it's not just about getting your degree. It's about figuring out what you want to do with your life because football is only going to be, it's a layover. If you're flying across the country, it's a layover in Denver for a couple of years and you still got to fly to, to California. You know, you still got the right. rest of your life. So I think that was the fact that none of them, you know, and I did it for 20 years training these guys and none of them, you know, that said 95% had no idea what they would do after football. Right. And I, I, I love that that approach and perspective i'm wondering how do you you know there's this idea that to be a master at something or to be truly excellent at something um you know people even throw out the the phrase like you can't have a plan b right and 
you, you know, you don't want people to have, say, like a, a one foot out the door. How do you how do you marry, you know, people, th- these these kids are really striving for excellence and they're, they're trying to be the best in the world at something, but also, you know, you want them to develop skills in other areas or just how do you how do you marry those two does that make sense yeah it does i mean it's the fact that you know if if even in our field if you're just consumed like i'm an incessant reader i probably read four to five books a month you Mm -hmm. know and i'm always on watching youtube videos and you know you know listening to to you know to different coaches around the country on podcasts and but if, if you don't get away from it You'll, you'll, you'll go insane. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big hunter, fisherman. So, you know, for me to go just sit in a deer stand, even if I don't see anything, just not to speak to another human and just, just right. be there for a couple of hours to, to maintain sanity. And it's, you have to have other things in your life. It can't just be uh, directed towards, you know, your sport or, or, or your vocation mm-hmm. um, or, you know, I don't think you're, I don't think you're ever going to get truly, truly successful. I think, yes, you want to be determined and yes, you want to be, have that tunnel vision. And, you know, I'm incessant. I think about training, I mean, realistically 24 seven and it just those, you know, but you know, when you do it for six months straight, you get, you get, you get really close to burnout. And, um, you know, it's the same thing when you're an athlete in your training, you know, you utilize, uh, you know, developing yourself in another career just to get away from football and training. And it, that's probably what's going to save you and make, make you get back to football and training mm-hmm. at a higher level because you're not so consumed and obsessed with it and burn out with it. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. It, you know, it, 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 it uh, allows you to have this nice like ebb and flow, right? You can't be on 24, seven, 365. You have to have some other buckets that you can pull from. And, you know, the, one of the worst things is if you have no other buckets and you have a bad training day or you have a bad game and you have no other area of life that you can, you know, uh, find fulfillment in and, and get caught, uh, get confidence from, then, you know, you're shit out of luck. Yeah. You have these other outlets, these other interests, whether it be relationships or hobbies or whatever, uh, can be a very good thing for your most important thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, it just, it keeps you fresher. It keeps you free, you know, mentally fresher, uh, to be able to accomplish more in your vocation. And that's all, all, all it does. And the thing is when you, when you step away from it, you're more ready to come back. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're more accomplished that way uh, than, burn, than just completely burning yourself out. And I'm the worst. I mean, Coach Holtz always gets on me. He's like, you've got to get out of here. You've got to go do something else. You can't – because I do get consumed with our players' lives and helping them. And, and he goes, man, you just got – some days you just got to step away. And, you know, like sometimes I won't even go – you know, he's like, I want you to go on vacation because there's – you know, like right now we're in the middle of pro day training, getting ready for the draft. And, and we're off of school, but then I have all these seniors who are trying to get ready for the draft. And so I'm going to get away for four days, you know, during Mardi Gras, and then I'll, I'll come back and, you know, early from, uh, I still have like probably seven more days of vacation time just to come back and train these guys. Cause I, I committed when they, when we were recruiting them, if you're, you come here, I'll train you for the draft so that you can make sure you graduate. So you don't leave and go somewhere else, drop out of school. And then right. happens in your career, your NFL career doesn't take, take hold. And then mm-hmm. you don't have your degree. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, you know, it's, and I'm, I'm probably one of the worst when it comes to that of, of, of staying, being, having too much tunnel vision. Right. 
How would you, how do you think your players would describe your coaching style? Oh man. Cause man, I yeah, lucky. There's no mic or no, you know, cause I'd say some crazy, I mean, just, I say some outlandish stuff just to, just, <laughs> just to make, just to make them laugh and, you know, just to make them laugh and, and yeah. Cause I, I like to have fun. I mean, I think, I think strength coaches think they have to be an asshole 24 seven and mm-hmm. that their job is to be just this at, just tyrant asshole yelling at people 24 seven. Our athletes do anything I ask them to do because mm-hmm. one, they know I care about them. Two, they know I'm incessant about doing, you know, having the, the perfect program, which doesn't exist, but I'm constantly trying to write it. And, uh, and that I, I want what's best for them. And so I want it live, man. I want, I'm just, you know, it's up tempo as soon as they walk in the door. And, I, you know, I want them to enjoy and have a good time. Because I get, if you're having fun, you're going you're gonna to put more effort into it. And, you know, and some of our training is not fun. I mean, when you're trying to get uh, conditioned for an 80-play game against a high-octane offense, uh, you know, and, you gotta, and you're conditioning, you know, if you're a, a – a skilled athlete, you're running, you know, 80 plays at 60 yards. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and we do it in about 45 minutes, whereas a game is two hours and we're, 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 we're doing 80 plays of 60 yards and broken down into four quarters with a 25 second rest interval. It tends not to be fun. So mm-hmm. um, we try to do, do as much, I mean, possible to, you know, guys, you know, we'll do Halloween. We dress up in stupid costumes and train, and come in at 6 a.m. and just go balls out, work out. Uh, we have this thing called a dog fight uh, in the middle of summer where we have uh, all these insane comp- strongman competitions. We- is that where your coaches compete against each other as well? No, we, what we do is we pick teams. Um, uh, they, we draft eight teams, and, and a coach has a team. And, and the coaches, we bet. We, we throw down a whole bunch of money on who, <laughs> whose team is going to win. And um, – and the coach holds like the winning team goes to his house, has a big barbecue and stuff. But oh, that's it's, awesome! It's a pretty, you know, it's intense because you know it's uh, we get shirts made up, they paint themselves up, you know, like warriors, and go out there. And we have you that's know badass. big yoke racks and huge farmers walk bars. And we do we, we come up with these crazy events. And uh, there's a point system, and and so they compete, and we do it all night. We do it like we start about nine or ten o'clock at night we finish about one in the morning wow uh, and they love it it's like it's like the, to them it's the greatest day you know yeah. ever. um and then we, we just do stuff then we do a lot of stuff you know outside of football with the athletes I'm, I'm with them we do like bonfires and stuff at the pools and you know diving contests at the at, at the at the rec center and uh just spend a lot of time you know wiffle ball basketball it doesn't matter we spend a lot mm-hmm. of time away from football uh because it's the only way you really get to know get to know these guys. Man, that is badass. I love that. Uh, when you were fir- when you first got to La Tech, um, I'm guessing they didn't have all of these traditions in place, right? No, it was. Uh, I mean, the weight room was. God, it wasn't even. A, it wasn't even a, a good single A Texas high school weight room. It was right. beyond horrible. Uh, been, it, no equipment had been bought like in twenty over twenty years. Um, so I, and I had, I brought in about $35,000 worth of my own equipment. It's mostly like speed stuff, speed equipment and all, cause we didn't even have enough room for me to bring any other kind of equipment into the weight room. And, um, we, you know, it was just like a basic program and, and I mean, I just, 
because I like to have fun. I, I started, you know, everything was more militaristic where right. lines and by a whistle and I came in cranking the music up. I'd throw 45 pl pound plates over their head at them, you know, and they're like, just, just threw a 45 pound plate at me. And then, you know, <laughs> what the hell, you know, they didn't know. And I'd jump up on a box and just grab a box, throw it through the wall. And, and they're just, and then they would just later go, oh, this is, this is great. You know, we got music, right. you know, things, you know, I want, I want to be, I want to be aggressive. I want to be smart. Like, we do, we, we do technically coach And some days we don't even put music on because we, you know, we're doing snatches, cleans, pulls and every version, variation of jerks and all. You got to hear a coach. You got to, you got to, you have technical right. cues. But then on other days when it's, uh, we're doing high volume work, trying to get our athletes bigger, we'll just crank it up and, and I mean, it's up tempo and we're, I mean, I'm very, uh, and I want my coaches to be, you know, very hands-on. Like we're very physical, like grabbing and touching guys and just, you know, just hitting them and punch, pushing them and, and they love it. And, you know, it's not, you know, it's it kind of shows that you care about them if, if yeah, you absolutely. Every, with every athlete. And so we, you know, you know, we, we do a lot of stuff to keep it, to, to keep it up, the tempo up and the, and the vibe up, you know, really up so that, and they, and so when they walk in, man, they, they we don't have a problem typically except with a few freshmen uh, with body language, they come in smiling, happy, ready to go every day. That is awesome, man. And, and, and all of this stuff, as, as you've already started to say, it, it increases the buy-in, right? Which is maybe the most important part of a strength and conditioning program, getting the people to buy in and, and adhere to what you're telling them to do. And I bet your kids are much more likely to do what you tell them to do, you know, at their house, whether it be some mobility or some, you know, some breath, some breathing or whatever it may be because of their experience in the weight room with you. I mean, a lot of, too, I, 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 I want to give credit to, to, to our, my staff and myself for, for that kind of culture, but we're in Ruston, Louisiana. There is nothing to do here. So right. uh, our guys live up here 24 seven. And mm -hmm. so we have, we have a lot of menus that we have on the wall, whether, I mean, every mobility type issue, um, any, every strength issue. And so we got guys that will come in and do, uh, you know, some, some work before the workout and then they'll stay and do work after the workout. Mm -hmm. So, you know, instead of having to program all this stuff into a workout, we just, we just write, write a menu on the wall and put on the wall and teach them that. And then they, and they take care of those issues on themselves so that we can get to training instead of spending all this time on soft tissue work and mobility mm -hmm. work. They pretty much the entire team comes in and does it, does it before we, we, before any lift or any, uh, you know, uh, speed or conditioning workout. And then, then they'll stay after and do it, you know? So, right. um, that buy-in because they love to be here and they yeah. love to be around us. I mean, I can't, I typically, I go to a coffee shop to work because, mm -hmm. If I stay in my office, there's always athletes sitting in my office. Yeah. They just want to hang out and talk. Right. Which is a good thing. It means that's a great thing, man. That is a great thing. And, and you get to spend more time with these kids than any other coach because of the way the, the, the NCAA works. And, you know, the fact that you're getting them to stay after hours, you, you're, you're making a huge impact on them. That's awesome. Well, I think, too, is like when I was coming through, it was like, you know, you had all these guys like at Penn State and Michigan State and Michigan, but basically the Big Ten, they were all these, you know, high intensity guys, you know, it was just machines. And you kind of did a rotation around in machines with a ton of weight. And then down south, 
uh, you know, we were, you know, you had a lot of power lifters and then you had all these guys that were like, you know, hatch guys that, that were doing Olympic lifting. And it was just like this war between the power lifters, the Olympic lifters, the high intensity guys uh, on who was the best and who, whose training program was, was the most conducive for building the building athletes. And it, I mean, it was bad. I mean, it was like where I mean, you kind of hated those guys and they hated you. And it was, you know, when you went to conferences, it was, you know, it was almost like you were going to fight them or something. It's kind of funny. Uh, you know, when I look back at, you know, the 80s and the 90s, how, you know, how it was and how, you know, just idiotic it was. But, um, you know, everybody trains hard. Everybody has, you know, pretty good programming. But I think what, what gets lost in it is, is a, physical, a physical culture, you know, just that culture of, of building a team it means – needs more than, than, than the programming right now because they're young. Look, man, you can take a, you can take a 17, 18, 19 year old athlete. They're going to adapt and to almost anything you throw. Right. And, but to put a standard of excellence and to have a, a, a success driven culture, it, it, that's, that's, that's a challenge and that's harder to do because it's kind of like being a parent. You can, mm -hmm. if you get tired of, 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 of that, of that bar of, of them, you know, not reaching that, that bar that you set, if you mm -hmm. let them win, you have no culture. And so it's like basically the same way with raising a child. If you don't discipline them and you let them win, then you're, you're, you're raising an asshole, you know? Right. And uh, that's, you know, just that every day of, of your, you know, they're young, they're kids, man. They're kids. They're, they're going to do dumb stuff. You can't help me. Yeah. But all the dumb things I've done, you know, hell all the way till I was, uh, last year, you know, before my 53rd birthday, all yeah. the stuff I've done, you know, it's, you know, it's, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to do dumb things. You're going to, you know, it's not, they're kids. You can't hold it again. I mean, you typically can't hold it against them to where, you know, I think a lot of coaches do and, and put a stigma on a kid who's a freshman for doing something stupid that he's a completely different human as a, as a, as a red shirt senior. Right. You know, and just building that culture and that, tr and it's, it's a trust thing. Is it building that culture and that trust with, with the athletes and that's how you develop great teams. I mean, that's, that's why, you know, Saban, Belichick, you know, um, Popovich, that's why those guys are great at what they do. Mm -hmm. Are there any other, are there any um, tactical things that you do to, to build this culture? So you're talking about, you know, building trust and um, you know, teaching excellence. Is there anything tactical, uh, practical that, that you, you consciously think of in, in, in these, you know, in relation to that? Like we start, uh, we have like one part of the way was really long and narrow with, uh, about a, with a 40 yard strip of turf. Um, um, and we, the athletes start like right at the beginning of the workout, the athletes start on one end uh, and one it's your, if you're five minutes early, no matter what, if you're four minutes early, you're one minute, you're one minute late. Now we teach time management right off the bat that in a job, you're five mm -hmm. minutes late, you're fired. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're five minutes early for every, for every workout. And they start on one side, I'm on the other side of the room. And, uh, you know, we have one coach kind of holds them back, you know, almost like you're coming on the field for a game and yep. we start getting them hyped up, you know, before we even start. And then I just start, you know, I start jumping up and <laughs> hype them up and then I get up and they come flying. They, they sprint all the way across the weight room to me. Then I give them, uh, you know, basically the orders of the day, you know, what we're doing, what we're going to accomplish. And that just that point on is, it's, man, they're, they're, they got a smile on their face, they're awake. And then we go through 
um, our warm-ups and, and we're, you know, very disciplined and, and, and you're going to do everything perfect or we're going to do it again. You're going to do it perfect or we're going to do it again. We're not going to get to the workout if you can't get through the warm-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just, you know, maintaining that structure. Uh, and then, you know, you know, kind of, you know, being with Coach Hatch growing up, it's like, you know, you, you technically you're going you're gonna to do it perfect and you're going to keep doing it until you get it right. Mm-hmm. And we don't progress an athlete until he can get it right. And so – um, you know, just instilling that right off the bat, uh, you know, and, and I'm all, and at the, at the end of the workout, I don't just talk about, you know, what we did or, you know, where we need to go. I mean, I, I like, you know, it's black history month. So I go through and ask them all these questions about black history and athletes in history and, and Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and, you know, just a lot of stuff that normal coaches would never even mm-hmm. talk about to these athletes. And, and I give my history lesson almost every every day, wow. or or a cultural lesson of, of stuff that's going on in the country, like what happened at Baylor, uh, what what what's happened at uh, like at Oregon with their strength staff, what's happened with coaches getting DUIs and getting fired, um, you know what happened at Michigan State a couple of weeks ago, and just you know you, you know you're a football player doesn't mean you're a you're better than any, other, any human on the on the planet, and that you're not above the law. And you have to understand that. And that it's the complete opposite that you have to conduct yourself at a higher standard because people are always looking at you and always trying to bring you down. So it's that kind of stuff that I'm just, it's just natural for me. Um, and, and, and then infusing all these different competitions that we do in training, uh, special competitions that we do when we come back and do them at night. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, I'm just constantly trying to bring different things to break up just basic monotony of training. monotony yeah man yeah. it's such monotony a great yeah. such a great lesson I, I love all of that and I, I, yeah I, I, you're you're obviously making a, a really um powerful impact on these kids that's so cool um I, I just wrapped up my second interview with coach moffitt last week we did a live recording uh, at the lsu weight room and we talked about you know, the guys that they're getting are Ferraris, you know, they're, they're the best of the best of the best wherever they grew up. And at LSU, a lot of what they do is they just have to make sure that these kids, you know, don't get hurt. They're moving correctly. Um, and it's not, you know, it's not black and white, but that's, you know, their best players. That's, that's how they're treating them. Uh, at your school, you have some of those types of kids, but you have a lot of smaller athletes, um, you know, people that haven't trained as much. How does this change uh, how, you, how you program for these athletes? And how do you also marry, you know, wanting to improve people's movement quality, but also needing to put on strength and size? Um, I think... Right off the bat, um, because I've trained, you know, guys like Tim Tebow, you know, Jimmy Graham, um, you know, D'Amico Ryans, A.J. Hawk, all these, you know, these Philip Rivers, all these professional athletes, um, you know, the buy-in is there. But our best athletes, I'm the hardest on. You know, whereas in the SEC, even when I coached at LSU, it's like, you know, you tend to, you know, you, you know, you, you know coaches almost like don't be too hard on because we don't want them to quit or we don't want them to transfer you know, because, you know, if they're not treated like a king, you know, they get their feelings hurt. And, and you know, at our level, we get we get almost like Army-Navy type kids, you know, just really good kids who want to work hard. And they're pissed off that they didn't get – they didn't go to A&M or they didn't go to LSU or they didn't go to Mississippi State. Um, and 
Um, and because we're harder on our, our quarterbacks and we got, you know, I'm, I'm hard, I'm hard, on our, I'm hard, I'm hard on our kickers. You know, we got a great mm-hmm. kicker who's like, you know, up, was up for every award this year. He's one of wow. the best kickers in the country. And he's one of my best lifters. And, um, you know, so our quarterbacks work their, their asses off, our best receivers. You know, we got two receivers that will be drafted this year, one maybe even in the first round. Uh, you know, Carl Henderson, I mean, I, you know, just destroyed him every day, you know, because, mm-hmm. because he, was, he was super talented, but he was really immature. And so when you're hard on the, on the – you're, you're hard on the best athletes, then all, it trickles all the way back down. Uh, to where everybody's working their butts off. And, you know, we, we do have to take a step backwards because we're, we do get a lot of kids that have never trained before. And so, we, you know, we have like a freshman group and we have – and it's, it's, it's the, the one group that wears you out. Because you, mm-hmm. when you coach, you're, you're nonstop coaching. You're right. not talking uh, because they can't do – typically they can't do anything right. Um, and it's almost like you have two workouts. You have that freshman, sophomore workout, and then you have junior, senior workout. And kind of, you know, the freshman, sophomore workout is just is more basic, not individualized for the, for the athlete or the position, whereas the junior, senior one is more uh, individualized for the, for the athlete and, and for the person. So um, we do a lot of just movement work, uh, deceleration work, mobility work, because they have, I mean, I mean, sometimes I look at him and going, God, why do we even give this guy a scholarship? He's terrible. And, but then, you know, I, I said that about, we had an All-American DN who led the, who's number two in the nation in sacks. And we got, when he came here as a freshman, I was like, this guy's never going to play. And then the next year he was a freshman All-American, you know, I mean, just the, the transition on, on, on what he accomplished in that year by just wow. taking things really slow and getting him to move correctly and get into positions that he normally could, could never get into and, and doing all this mobility work and, and strength work. I mean, literally this guy couldn't, he'd fall down with the bar, you know, right. trying to get a squat. And, uh, and he was a, then he became, as a red shirt freshman, he was an all American. That's crazy. Crazy. Um, you have this, you have this, uh, Matt sent me a video. I think flow elite did it. Um, I don't know. Somebody did a video on you talking about the combine and oh, it's train heroic train heroic. That's right. That's right. Phenomenal video, man. Um, uh, you know, you talked a lot of shit about the way that the combine is set up and I, I believe what you say so much. I'm wondering if you could uh, go through your gripes with the combine and kind of what you're proposing and what you're doing currently. I mean, it's I, mean, I spent like 20 years, you know, at, 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 in Indy and, and I would sit there and watch, you know, there, you know, with, with the coaches and, and watching it and I'm listening to the coaches. I mean, I'm sitting there one year with Bill Parcells and, and I actually was like, I, you know, went out, went out the night before and, you know, all night and wasn't feeling really great the next day. And I wasn't had a cup of coffee. I wasn't even paying attention. They had a section roped off. And I just walked in and sat down. I didn't realize I went and sat down with all the head coaches and the owners and the GMs. And I wasn't even wow. supposed to be in there. But I didn't want to get up because I'm like, okay, I'm already here. I'm hungover as hell. I'm just sitting here until someone throws me out. Nice. So I just sat there and listened to like Jerry Jones and all these guys. And they're talking about they're, they're talking about their own combine saying, you know, this is pretty dumb. You know, the only thing in their center going, the only thing we're getting out of this is the medical and the interviews. He goes, all this stuff on the field. It doesn't matter. It, either you can play football or you can't. Run around in shorts and it doesn't tell you anything 
about an athlete. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like in recruiting at this level, looking at someone's highlight film doesn't tell you anything about that kid. You know, you have to look at mm -hmm. game, you know, total game film. And, you know, guys get drafted and, and play, it's game film. I mean, it's like, you know, you look at all the guys who, who are supposed to be studs and they run all these fast times and, and, but they can't play football, mm -hmm. you know? And so just from their point of view, you know, they, they don't, they don't have a whole lot of, they don't put a whole lot of stock into it except for the interviews and the medical, the medical parts to make sure that they're, they're completely healthy. I mean, these guys are scouted all year long. They watch they, the scouts have watched this insane amount of film. And then I would talk to, you know, I'm the guy that deals with the scouts every, every, every week uh, during the season. So, you know, I'm asking them all these questions and, you know, why is linemen still running a 40? They never do it in a game. They don't, they don't typically more, move more than 10 yards. And they're going against another human. They're not, mm -hmm. they're not running against air. You know, it doesn't tell you anything. It doesn't, you know. And for me, it really wasn't about the combine. It was about my programming. I, try, I, I said that in the, you know, train, trainer org put a spin on it where it was more, oh, it's me against the combine. But it was really me about what the hell we're doing as a profession. Right. We, you know. We believe uh, the 40 yard, you know, we're looking at the 40 yard as the number one factor. We're looking at a 225 rep max. We're looking at a shuttle and a three cone drill. And to teach those two drills takes a ton of time. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make you a better football player. It's a waste of time. Right. It's drill. It's just a drill. You know, and like when I'm training guys for the pro day, I mean, I spend a ton of time to make them mechanically efficient so they run the drill really fast. Mm -hmm. so it's so rehearsed. It doesn't tell you a whole lot, except more than anything, it tells you about their hip mobility, their ankle flexibility in movement, more than it does about a, about a time or their change of direction. Um, so for me, it was like, am I, am I, you know, and all this stuff with monitoring, you know, with all these different monitoring systems and Australian sports scientists, and all these scientists, and, and we have all this data. What the, what the fuck are you doing with all this data? Mm -hmm. Using this data, are you, I mean, what are you doing with this data? And so I, I, that's, that's kind of what I was looking at going, okay, I want to design some drills that I can use the data so that it's, uh, you know, a, a power test where they're, they're pushing a 300 yards, uh, 300 pound sled for five yards. That's all they're going to move another human, five yards. I want to see how fast can they move 300 pounds. I want to see how fast an athlete can sprint 10 yards and decelerate and dead stop and then reaccelerate for 10 yards. You know, so I can, so in movement, um, I can see whether what we need to program in the weight room or what we need to do the program out on the field in our, in our movement work, whether we need to do some weighted deceleration stuff and work to, so that we, you know, so that eccentrically they're stronger decelerating and they can come to a dead stop to do it, to come to a dead stop. Do we need to make, do more isometric work? I mean, just how do we, are we doing this just for, ourselves so we can go around the country and say oh my guys are i have 50 400 pound benchers and right. you know my i got 74 three guys i mean what what are we using this data for you mm -hmm. know and, and why are we doing it and that was that was the main the, that was the process going through my head is why i'm giving these i'm giving these scouts these numbers and i'm um having to, to teach all this stuff that it doesn't do it doesn't doesn't make them better football players it doesn't do any good for me in my programming to make them a better football player. So why am I doing this shit? And right. that, that was the whole, the whole thing behind it. And they did a really good job um, filming it and putting it together. Um, and that was the, actually the first time those athletes ever did any of those drills. Wow. It was like, it was like, we're doing it. 
no rehearsal. I, I, my coaches, I said, we went through it for, for a day to make sure like, we were on point. So it, was like, it was like quick and the, and the athletes understood. And none of that was rehearsed. It was just me talking. It was just me talking and, right. and, us, and us going through our training day to get the data that we wanted. So until, and you say a little bit of, of, of this on that video, right now, we, you know, it, it, it's largely out of our control, right? The NFL is still using the combine to test these guys. So you have to prepare them for that. Right. Um, but is there anything else that you've done? I guess, I guess what, what, what do you propose, what do you propose uh, changes? Um, one, the 60 yard show gives them no, no data whatsoever. I mean, it's like, why are you, why are they running? It's, it's, a, it's more of a conditioning, like a, a, a conditioning, a speed conditioning test is what it is. I mean, it doesn't tell them anything. You can look, you know, in film, why are you doing that 60 yard shuttle when you're, you're doing a, a 20 yard lateral shuttle and you're doing a three cone drill, you can get anything you need to look at in movement and speed wise in those two drills. Why are you throwing this other one on at the end to where it's, it's, you know, pretty metabolic and that fact that their legs are dead and then they got to go do all these position drills right after and mm -hmm. that makes no sense whatsoever. Um, you know, you can get pretty much anything you need out of a 10, 10 or 20. I mean, the game's about acceleration and deceleration. The game is not about straight line speed. Never has been. No one's going to run unimpeded. Even a receiver or uh, a DB or on a kickoff, you're never unimpeded. You're mm -hmm. always, there's always another, you, a human in your way that you have to redirect your body or you're going to have to go through another, go through a body. So um, you can get all the information you really need in, in, the, in the game with a 10 and a 20 with a vertical and a, a broad jump, um, you know, as, as far as their a 225 bench test kind of just tells you if the guy likes to go in the weight room or not. Right. Um, that's right. It. Um, so it's, you know, I, they, the problem too is, is there's too many screen coaches that lie in college that they give him all, they give all these bullshit numbers to the scouts when they come in, you know, and, I don't, I mean, I, our numbers are our numbers. And I tell our athletes that I, I give you nothing. I want, I want realistic, true numbers so that I can do my programming off of them. Mm -hmm. And if I'm giving you, you know, you know, saying, oh, my quarterback squats 700. And then I talk to coach there, goes, man, dude's never put 300 on his back, you know, in his life. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, just these insane numbers and uh, guys run a 4-3, then the scouts come in on pro day and a dude runs a 4-7, you know. Mm -hmm. um, if, I think if street coaches in college weren't giving all these bullshit numbers, uh, you know, you might not even have a combine. They might just go in and do medical and, and, uh, and interviews. Well, hopefully it changes at some point. Yeah. I mean, uh, because it's just, it's for the most part, it's, it's, it's a, it's a wasted day. Right. What's been the best piece of new research or like a new idea or, or even methodology that you've learned and implemented in the last two years? Oh man, God, you know, cause man, my mind, when you ask me one question, my mind goes 360. Yeah. It's all going all over the place and, and I'm ADD and bipolar and I've all these you know, <laughs> crazy issues. You know, so my mind's so messed up. It's like, you know, my mind goes a hundred miles an hour on one question and then uh, so, but, 
and because I'm an incessant reader, like I said, I mean, I've, you know, I mean, I've read God, all these uh, Navy SEALs books that, you know, that are phenomenal uh, on culture. Man, one of the best. What are some, what are some of those? Yeah. Ah, uh, what's this? It's um, uh, not, God, I just finished reading it too. It's a white book. It's not uncompromising commitment. Uh, uh, it's not extreme ownership, is it? Oh, extreme. There you go. Extreme yep. ownership. That is a phenomenal book. I read yep. that one last month. Uh, one of the better books on culture um, I just finished was uh, Legacy about the All Blacks. Okay. Phenomenal. One of the best culture books you'll ever read in your life. Guys, all, all of these books that he's been mentioning and resources, we're going to post in the show notes. You can find those at brutestrengthtraining.com slash podcast. Keep going, coach. Um, you know, I think I've, you know, I've read, you know, a lot of because of the fact that I think that culture is, uh, is especially at our level, if you don't have a dominating culture, you're not going to, you're never going to win. Right. Um, but I, I, like I'm writing a book right now. It's taking me forever because I am ADD and you know, it's, it's hard for me to focus doing anything, uh, unless I'm training. Um, uh, it's, it's skill, skill, the acquisition of skill in, in, in football is that, you know, kind of when you think about, um, you know, growing up in sports, um, basketball players, football players, uh, you know, soccer players from four years, you know, three or four years old, they're working on skill all the way through to the college or pro level where you're, you know, hitting cages, you're working on ball skills, you're shooting, you're dribbling, um, you know, uh, you know, pitching. I mean, you, you do a ton of skill work and you play a ton of games compared to football. I mean, you think about growing right. up in football and rec ball, if you're not one of the better athletes, you're not even getting on the field in, in, as a 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14-year-old. Um, so what, what's, what skills are you developing? Plus the fact that at that level, every dad has his kid at quarterback or, or running back, and, 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 and he's the coach, and they have a, a, you know, a book thicker than the Patriots playbook, and, and they're – and they're, uh, you know, and they're, they're, um, they're all they do is run plays. You know, they run plays. They, they don't learn fundamentals of football. Right. Then when you get to the high school level, you have just a couple of weeks in spring, and that's it. And you, if you, if you're not, and again, if you're not one of the better players, you know, how, how much, how much are you getting uh, of, of skill acquisition fundamentally from mm -hmm. your coach, all the way through to, to through college to the NFL. You know, so you look at how much time is spent with those sports throughout an entire calendar year and how, what little time uh, that a football player spends on, on this, his skill for his position. So what we've done here is we do a ton of skill work infused into, the, into our warm-up or post-workout, post you know, um, by position. And because if we're not, if we're not getting – I'm not making a better receiver, you know, just lifting and getting more explosive and getting faster, yes – Theoretically, you're making a better athlete, but is he, is he a better receiver? Mm -hmm. you know? And can he break and separate faster than, 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 a, than a DB or a linebacker? Can he catch? You know, we, we, we have drills where we, we catch over 500 balls a day, different type of bricks, tennis balls, patch on the eye, depth perception, weighted balls, um, you know, hand weights on the wrist where you're catching balls and you, then we contrast it where you take it off and your hands come up faster catching balls. Mm -hmm. uh, and we do um, reaction drills uh, with our running backs, uh, reaction and finding a hole, you know, really fast. 
We do. I, I mean, I, I love martial arts. And uh, I think if I wasn't a strength coach, I would probably be an MMA fighter. Um, so we do a ton of martial arts with our with our receivers so they so that if a DB tries to jam them, they get off them faster with our linebackers, with our D-line, with our O-linemen. And we do just a lot of position skill work with, with each position throughout the entire year, not just in spring ball or when you go to camp. And so mm-hmm. I think that's kind of, you know, helped us separate ourselves in, in our conference and to be able to, to play with Power 5 schools is, is that we're trying to build a better athlete player, a- athlete at that position, right. not just an overall athlete. Right. And what, what, what know, has like the said, response and, and feedback been from the players on, on all of that work? It's uh, they, they, they love it. There's like, you know, that's the funnest part of the day for them. Right. And for our co- for, for a strength coach, it's so out of the box compared to what you're used to doing. So mm-hmm. it's so much, it's, it's, it is that, that needed break, mm-hmm. you know, that needed middle break of getting away from just the same technical cues that you use in speed and condition and speed conditioning and lifting. And you're going out and, and doing something completely different. Mm-hmm. So if it's, you know, after a 12 hour day and you go, you got, okay, we're going to do another, we got an hour of, of uh, skill work that you've been on the floor for 12 hours. And, and that, that extra hour, that 13th hour is the, the best hour of the day. Right. You know, I love that so much more than, you know, you see some people, some, some strength coaches having their baseball players do like heavy weighted, um, just rotations of some sort with like a, with like a cable or something like that. Like it's going to mimic swinging a baseball bat. I just, I think so much of that stuff is, is silly when just get the basic, you know, get the basics in, in the gym and then you can get yeah. the more sports specific stuff, the dynamic stuff out here. Well, especially with, with a, with something that's a, a fine motor skill, like, like, like hitting, like mm-hmm. pitching, uh, like shooting a basketball, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's different with football. I mean, football is a lot of gross motor, a lot of gross motor skills, you know. Um, but you know, if you're like you know, we can't afford to drop a ball. A DB cannot afford to drop an interception. Period. It changes the game for us. Right. A receiver on third and twelve can't afford to drop the ball. So it's important that we work on those skills year round. You mm-hmm. know, and um, Paul Turner, who made the. Uh, the, the Chargers, a free agent this past year, he, he did not drop a ball. In the end. He's the only athlete that didn't drop a ball the entire preseason. Wow. In the NFL. And he's got – and he – I mean, this guy's got man hand. I mean, you can throw a 30-pound brick at him and he's mm-hmm. going to match it like, like nobody you've ever seen. I mean, he's just – we've done – we do so much of that type of work with our receivers. Um, and that's, that's why, the, you know, the, the Eagles love him is because – if, if Wentz throws him the ball, Wentz knows he's going to catch it. No matter. Right. And, you know, and that's kind of the, 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 you know, the mentality that we have here is to do things that other people aren't doing with mm-hmm. the train horror video, the, the, the combine type stuff with skill work with, you know, I mean, just, I, I, I'm looking for any genre or, you know, a modality I can find mm-hmm. that's going to help our guys get better. Get an edge. Yep. Get an edge. I mean, I don't care what it is. If you, if you were a, you know, 25 year old strength coach, again, you, you've learned, you know, a couple of the basics, um, what resources would you seek out, whether it be books, seminars, um, 
what experience with experiences would you try to have to accelerate your learning as quickly as possible? I mean, I think you got to take a step back. A lot of guys, you know, once they get their undergrad, they think, oh, I got an undergrad. I know everything. You know, I got an undergrad degree. I could be hired as a, as a straight coach. No, you can't. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I spend so much time with, with our, our, my assistants and with uh, my GAs, my interns. I mean, teaching them. Um, I mean, we do a ton of seminar work on our own where we do our own clinics mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, um, in-house clinics. And, uh, you know, coming up, you have to be willing to give up a lot. And I don't think, I think a lot of, that's why, you know, people quit this field so quick is that they're not there. You know, I've got my undergrad, but they don't want to go be a free intern to get the GA spot. And then they don't want to be a GA to get the assistant spot. And you have to give up, you have to give up something. You know, Mm -hmm. I gave up a ton, you know, um, to go learn from the best guys in, 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 in the United States. And um, it's, it's, it's kind of like, when you're recruiting, you know, someone tells you, how do you make your athletes tougher? Uh, I go find tough athletes <laughs> and right. we get them to come here because, you know, you're either you're tough or you're not. And um, it's the same way with, with, you know, either you're, you're dedicated and you're driven to, to, to be successful or you're not. And a lot of people aren't driven to give up stuff to, to get, to get ahead, like take two steps back to get four steps forward. And, you know, it, it's finding quality coaches to go. I think they feel like they have to go to the biggest school to get right. to learn. And it's not. And there's, and there's some great coaches at the FCS level. There's some great, there's some great high school strength coaches now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't have to go to Notre Dame. You don't have to go to Alabama. I mean, you, you can find some quality coaches that'll, that are like, like me. Man, someone comes knocking on my door and willing to work, please, because – we need all the help we can get here. Right. Especially all the free help. Um, so it, it's first and foremost, having that willingness and, and finding a quality program uh, and then work and outworking. But I tell my guys, if you're an intern, outwork the GA. If you're a GA, outwork the assistant. If you're, if you're the last, last assistant, assistant, outwork the number one assistant or outwork me. And that's how you succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, I just sent up one of my, my in, uh, interns to uh, Colorado State. I said, outwork them all. And I, and I guarantee you within, within a year and a half, he'll probably be the number one assistant because mm-hmm. that's what he's going to do. And um, it's having that drive to be better than everybody else, you know. And yeah. that takes care of itself. I mean, you don't – there's no magic, uh, you know, book or training system. Uh, there's, no, there's no right way. There's a lot of wrong ways, but there's really no right way. And mm-hmm. it's, it's understanding that and understanding that once you, one of, my, one of my interns, he coined, once you decide to become a strength coach, you're forever dumb. You're, right. You will never learn enough. And once you understand that you will never learn enough, that you're not an arrogant son of a bitch that thinks he knows everything, uh, you, you'll go far. Well, you, have you heard of the Donnie Kruger effect? No, I talk about this every now and then, but you know, in any discipline, a beginner that starts to learn a little bit thinks he knows everything. And once you really start to learn, you learn how much you don't know. Right. So the Donnie Kruger effect is that is that beginner that learns a little bit and thinks he knows everything. It's once we once we really dive in and start 
start learning a, a, a bunch of shit, we realize how much we really don't know. And it behooves everyone in any discipline to, to keep that beginner's mind, right? Uh, that's why that's why I'm such an incessant reader and and, and I'm I, and I'm I'm I'm, I, I'm a competitor. I don't want I want to be good. I, mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to be second. I want I want to be number one. And uh, and I'm going to you know drive myself even though I never think of myself you know as that I've heard like the uh, Detroit Lions before, I mean uh, Detroit um, Tigers before they they made it to the World Series a few years back. Um, the manager general manager said you know our first meeting. We're gonna, we're gonna, how he stated, he goes, we're gonna, we're gonna act like we're, we're number one, but we're gonna work like we're number two. Ooh. You know, Damn. And I, and I, when he said that, I was like, I like that. That makes Damn. a whole lot of sense. Have that confidence that you, you could be number one, but have that work ethic and drive that you're, you're not there yet and that, and that you're, you're trying to get there. Damn. That's some shit you you write and put over your mirror. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> nice, Coach. Uh, my last question: uh, Is there anything, or no? Let me let me ask this. What what is one thing that what is one thing that you wish people knew about you that they don't, or or, or rather, what's one thing that um, you you wish people would ask you? I don't know. I mean, I think every time someone meets me for the first time, they're always like, yeah, man, I heard you like, you're crazy. You're this and you're that. And I'm, and I'm like, man, am I like that much of a lunatic when I do stuff or say stuff? Um, because, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not an idiot. I mean, I graduated from Tulane with, you know, you know, <laughs> pretty good education and I've been, been around the place. I don't, I don't know. I mean, uh, what do they want to know about me? I, I, I get, I, you know, from, for me, it's that I care about more than anything that I care about my athletes. Mm-hmm. I care about more athletes more than I care about what what I do in life. You know how you know how far I go as a coach. Right. That's a tremendous quality, coach. This has been so so valuable. I really appreciate it. Where can where can people uh, find out more about you? Get in contact with you. Apply for a free internship. All of that. Uh, just uh, khester uh, at latech.edu, and you can just email me. Um, you know, and I, like I said, if if you know coaches, you know, call or email me all the time, want to just talk about how to how do you get in this field. And uh, I mean, I mean, I had a kid from Mississippi College. He must have gave me, uh, you know, he gave me a questionnaire that would take like six lifetimes to to. Uh, yeah, I was like, dude, you know, just it'd be easier for you just to call me. Right, I <laughs> totally understand. I totally understand. Guys, just just to make sure everybody understood that, that's K-H-E-S-T-E-R at L-A-T-E-C-H dot E-D-U. Um, coach, again, this has been a pleasure, man. I learned a lot. It's been a, um, it was a fun one. I appreciate it. No problem, brother. All right, coach. Take care. You too.